Thank you for joining us here today at Calvary Church, where we are committed to loving God and loving people. If you have any questions or want to learn more about who we are, visit us online at calvary.ca. Now let's check out this week's message from our lead pastor, Steve McDonald. Welcome back to episode three of our Heaven Came Down message series leading up to Christmas. Now I trust that you've been enjoying this series as much as I have as we've been walking through this powerful prophecy of the coming Messiah found in Isaiah 9-6, which serves as the foundational text for all of our Christmas messages this month. I'd also like to take a minute to personally invite you, if you can believe it, to uh, Christmas Eve coming up next Sunday. And so we've got our Christmas Eve candlelight family services. We have three services, one at 9 a.m., one at 10.30 a.m., and one at 12 p.m., And so there's going to be something for the whole family. And there's something that our kids, at least a moment in the service, that our kids look forward to every year because regardless of what's going on outside, it always snows in here at Calvary uh, on Christmas Eve. So please make use of all of the invitations that we have on the seats. There's extra ones here at the church if you want to stop by the office or on the seats Uh, as well. And so get rid of them all. Let's give them to everybody uh, to invite your friends, your family, your co-workers, your neighbors, your barista. Give it to everybody at the drive-thru. And don't just be an inviter. Don't just drop these invitations off to people. Be a bringer. Uh, Tell them that you'll pick them up and bring them with you. This is such a wonderful, wonderful service, one that truly we look forward to every every year at this time, and it's become legendary. It's part of everybody's kind of, uh, at least within our Calvary family, a part of our, our Christmas tradition. And it's just a powerful, powerful night. As you see, the candles lit up all over the, the auditorium. Uh, and then, of course, those of you that are joining us online, you get to do that from home or wherever you are in the world, wherever you're traveling. We get to share this special moment together. Now, for those of you who are coming and are here on site, uh, you need to keep in mind that these services fill up very quickly. And so uh, make sure that you come early. And uh, if you're bringing friends, you want to know that that middle service, the 1030 service, that one will fill up very quickly. So I would suggest that if you're bringing friends or family, that you bring them to the 9 or even the 12. You'll have more places to park and better choices with seats. But again, come early and uh, come and celebrate with all of us. You know, there's so many traditions and, and stories and even movies that bring us joy over the Christmas season uh, that we wind up telling these stories and, and watching these movie moments over and over and over again. And uh, these are are moments and stories and movie clips that, that kind of uh, share with us the power of this moment, the, the promise of angels, of miracles, and experiencing hope in, in troubled times. And over the years, as a family, at least our family, uh, my wife Susan always finds uh, something for us to do as a family. We go see lights or go to an event or check out a show. But many years ago, when our our boys were very young. 
she convinced us to go to the Nutcracker Ballet. Now, I was a little skeptical, if I'm honest at first, whether this was going to be something that I was going to enjoy, that even the boys and I would, would be into, but it was spectacular. It was crazy uh, wonderful. The sets, the costumes, the music, so well done. Such a powerful performance. And I have to admit that at the time, I didn't have a clue what the plot of the Nutcracker Ballet was, but it's the story of a young girl named Clara who was always waiting, waiting to grow older, waiting for someone to come along, waiting just to understand the world that she lived in. And she was deeply loved by her peculiar godfather who gives her a very special gift. And the gift is this nutcracker, which later comes to life. And so eventually the nutcracker battles the evil mouse king only to die in battle. But the loving godfather resurrects the nutcracker and then takes Clara to his kingdom to the celebration of all those who awaited his return. Now, that sounds very familiar, doesn't it? There's something that rings true in that story that we can see some slight parallels to the gospel story, the greatest story of all time. The story of a father who sent his son out of a, a deep love for sinful, fallen mankind. And the son who would willingly lay down his life because of that very same love. The same father who would resurrect his son and open up a pathway for all of us to new life and would someday return. So this leads us to our Heaven Came Down series and another powerful messianic title for Jesus, Everlasting Father. It's also found in Isaiah's prophecy of this someday coming king. Now, this description for some, this description of Jesus, can seem a little bit confusing, honestly. After all, how can the Son of God also be called the Everlasting Father? Now, obviously, Isaiah isn't saying that Jesus is the same as God the Father, although we know the triune connection. But I don't think Isaiah was even thinking about the Trinity as he gave this name to Jesus. You see, back then the term father was often used to describe a king who protects and supports those under him with care and authority, the same way a father would do with his family. More of kind of like a master teacher, protector type figure. And so this is what Isaiah was really talking about. This is what he was trying to convey to the people about this coming king. Jesus will be the kind of king who protects and supports his people. He will be just like a father to them. And his fatherly reign in this title will not just be momentary, but everlasting, right? Not just for a time, but forever. See, this king will be an eternal father to his people. Now, the language Isaiah uses here has been described as a descriptive analogy pointing to Christ's character. He's fatherly. He's father-like in his treatment of you and I. Now, in sharp contrast to this picture, let me give you a little snapshot of what was happening 
around the time when this prophecy was given uh, and the description of a very different kind of king. At a time in history when kings didn't always live up to the titles they were given. We talked about that a little bit last week. Along came the prophet Isaiah with something to say, some new hope, perhaps. He often spoke as a prophet of things yet to come, inspired by God and directed by God to speak words to people that would bring hope, even if sometimes those words were difficult to hear. Now, in Isaiah's day, a wicked king named Ahaz sat on the throne of Judah. And this guy consulted mediums and spiritualists, and he eventually led the whole nation into idolatry. He even went so far as to sacrifice his own son to the false god Moloch. This was a deeply disturbed and confused king. He was grasping at straws, trying to figure out how to do what he was doing. So in the midst of this darkness, in the midst of this king who was out of control, this wicked king, Isaiah brings a message from God about the coming of a good king. Isaiah 9, verses 6 to 7, the prophet says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God. We've talked about those titles over the last couple of weeks. Now he says Everlasting Father. And uh, the, the Sunday to come, we'll talk about Prince of Peace. Verse 7 says, Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it and establish it with judgment and justice. From this time forward, even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Now, obviously, Isaiah is talking about a different kind of king. A king who, who reigns well, whose kingdom is secure, and whose reign uh, is one of justice and righteousness. Again, where we sit today, at this point in history, we know that Isaiah is talking about Jesus. The one whose birth that we celebrate at Christmas who was born in a manger and became a king like no other. So Jesus is being revealed to all of us as a father, which really makes this part of Isaiah's prophecy personal for us. It's a little different uh, from, from his description as mighty God. This is a little bit more personal. And this personal reference will mean different things to different people, especially in an audience the size of the one that we have today. Depending on your own personal experience, it, it affects how we view this terminology. For some people, imagery like this of a father, for me, it stirs up great memories and emotions. But I understand that that's not true for everyone. Being a father myself, I think I can speak for for most of the dads watching or here in the room today to say that it's it's not easy. It's not easy at all. We are far from perfect. But unfortunately, some fathers have allowed their own hurt to hurt others, especially those that they should be loving and protecting. But regardless of your relationship uh, or lack of with your earthly father, we all tend to project a similar image without even knowing it sometimes 
on Jesus, on our everlasting Father. Not even, again, intentionally, it just happens because that term means different things to different people. So we need to be careful. We need to be careful not to view the two through the same lens. You see, perhaps the words, I love you, or I believe you, or I'm proud of you, perhaps these were words that, that you never heard growing up. Maybe they were like a carrot on a stick, just always out of reach, something that you could never experience. And so I think it's important to see our everlasting Father for who he really is in order to experience the relationship as it was always intended, full of love and acceptance. You know, when our boys first came into the world as little babies, whether I was ready or not, (laughs) I was their dad, right? And I'm forever thankful for this healthy example that my own father gave to me. And like me, my dad, he wasn't perfect, but you know what? I always knew he, he loved me. I knew he believed in me. He prayed for me. He protected me. He would give his life for me if need be. And I knew that he would always be there for me. Similarly, I'm committed to do the same for my sons. Again, I'm not perfect, that's for sure, but I will always love them. I will always believe in them, pray for them, protect them, and I will forever, as long as I can draw my breath, I will forever be in their corner. Now, obviously, we all have our own stories. But just for a moment, let's lay those stories down to give Jesus, our everlasting Father, the opportunity to reveal to us who he really is. Let's not look at him through the lens of of our earthly fathers, but let's look at him through the lens of Scripture. Because when we do, we're going to see an everlasting Father that that maybe you've never even seen or experienced before. The first thing that we need to see and understand is that Jesus, our everlasting Father, is compassionate. Scripture paints a very clear picture of a Savior who is compassionate. Despite all our shortcomings, despite the things that we do sometimes over and over, he still has great compassion for us. I'm so thankful for that. I mean, each of you would know that in your own lives. Psalm 103, verse 8 says, The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. We could all learn a lesson from the truth of that scripture to be slow to anger and abounding in love. Nothing we can do or work at will ever earn us more of the love of the everlasting Father. And you know what? That's liberating. Your performance will never earn you his acceptance. He already loves you more than you can ever possibly imagine. And we have to stop striving and, and working and just learn to rest in that compassion, to rest in the love that he has for us. Now, going to church, studying scripture, learning to pray on a daily basis, all of these things are very important and will help you to grow as a, as a disciple. But they're not going to earn you any more points with God. He loves you, again, just as much today as he's ever going to love you. That's why he laid his life down for you. So we can stop dragging around the weight that sometimes we pack in that backpack and drag around with us. Sometimes our our biggest critic is ourselves. We need to learn sometimes to lay it all down at the foot of the cross 
and just rest in his compassion. Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 29 says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble of heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Finally, true rest. Stop trying to live a perfect life, doing everything right because you think it's the only way that God is ever going to accept you. Live a life that that glorifies God, knowing that he accepts you just the way you are. Even if you've got difficulties and struggles, some people often think, you know, when I finally get my life together, when I clean myself up, then I'll come to church. Then I'll come to your Christmas Eve service when I get myself together. No, come just like you are with all your bruises, all your brokenness, all your mistakes. Come and bring it all to him. He can't love you any more or any less than he already does. So learn to rest in that truth. He is forever compassionate. Second thing that we need to understand is that Jesus, our everlasting father, he cares. He truly cares. When we look at Jesus through the lens of scripture, we're going to see he's a king who actually cares. He's not angry with you. He will never hurt you. This is what he says to you today in Jeremiah 29 verse 11. For I know the the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Listen, that's the heart of the everlasting father for you. When you have hope, you have a future. That's why fires, floods, war, pandemics, none of these things will have the last word in our lives. Those things may be challenging for a time, but they will never change or cancel the future that God has for you, the future that he's planned in advance when heaven came down to earth. And when that happened, it changed everything. The possibilities of who you could be and what you could accomplish are radically changed when you do so with the strength that only comes from him. The father sent his son to set it all in motion. And knowing that truth, it serves as fuel for the hope that gets us up again tomorrow, pushing through to the future that he alone can promise us. You know, the Gospels frequently speak of Jesus' heart for people that he just met, that he just came in contact with you. That's the kind of love and care that he has for you today. Whether you've been walking closely with him or not, whether you've wandered away, he still loves you. He still deeply, deeply cares. There's nothing in your life that he doesn't know about. Sometimes we think we can hide something, but you can't pull the wool over the eyes of the Lord. He knows exactly who you are better than you know yourself. He cares for you, just like a good father cares for his family. That's why Jesus, our everlasting father, uh, you you truly bring it into focus then. You know then what it means. Is that God who cares, the one who loves you. And then finally, Jesus, our everlasting Father, is always there. You know, when we look at him through the eyes and the lens of Scripture and see Jesus, our everlasting Father, uh, who is incredibly compassionate and cares beyond what we can comprehend, we understand that, that he will always be there, that he's eternal, 
He was there at the beginning. He'll be there at the end. And that's not something we can say about everyone in our lives. As a matter of fact, sometimes because of those that have come into our lives that we've loved and maybe opened up to and we're vulnerable with, seeing some of those people walk away has caused some of us to think twice when it comes to coming close to Jesus because we don't want to be hurt again. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. And when things seem to be getting worse before they get better, that's extremely comforting. That's good news for all of us. No matter how, how dark it gets, he will always be there. Our God is always there to, to walk you through whatever it is that you're facing. In the book of Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, it says, Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Now, the last time I checked, the definition for never is still the same today. Never. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Jesus is a king who protects and supports his people forever. He is everlasting. Our everlasting father is here today, Jesus, to show you compassion and love. Our everlasting father, Jesus, is here today to care for you and give you hope. Jesus, our everlasting father, is here today to forgive and save you and never leave you. That is King Jesus. Let's pray today. Father, we thank you today for the power of your word, that these prophetic titles, these messianic titles that you were given bring great strength to our lives. We thank you today for the knowledge that you are our everlasting father, that you will always be there to love us, to care for us. I pray for those who have not had a good experience in their life with their own earthly father, that you would heal them of their wounds and give them a new picture of what a father should be and what your love truly means. Today, I pray for each of those, whether they are here in the house uh, or, or watching online from anywhere in the world, if that's you today, you say, Pastor Steve, please pray for me because I need, I need to experience the love of a father like that. I need to know Jesus, if that's you. It's as simple as taking this moment, take a deep breath and say, Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I recognize that what you did on the cross, you did for me. You gave your life so that I could live mine. Be my Lord, be my Savior, be my everlasting Father, that I would walk with you and tell everyone of the hope that's in my heart. And Lord, if for everyone else, I pray that each of us would understand this side of, of, of who you are, that the depth of your love is there to guide us, to protect us, to teach us. And we're forever thankful for it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Well, Calvary, we look forward to seeing you on Christmas Eve next Sunday. We invite you to one of our three services. Come and bring a friend. We're going to have an incredible time as we gather together. God's best to all of you, and have an amazing week.